Another day, another manager goes down. It's the Just Baseball Show. It is Wednesday, June 8th, and Joe Madden is no longer the manager of the LA Angels, Peter. It's shocking to me, personally. I, it, this is a guy in Joe Madden who took the Tampa Bay Devil Rays and brought them to the American League pennant. Won them a pennant, got them to the World Series. Didn't end up winning a ring. But if you saw the Devil Rays before he got there, what an achievement. I think he had six consecutive winning seasons between 2008 and 2013. Then he goes to Chicago and breaks in a 108-year drought. And we saw comments, you know, on our TikTok that, you know, Joe Madden, got lucky with a crazy talented roster in Chicago. And with all due respect, I think that's just incorrect. Yeah. Like from what I saw, I saw him do a bang up job with a team that hadn't won a world series in a century and yeah. change. And then what does he do? He goes to the Los Angeles angels and it's always, if not now, when, right, they have all this talent. But when you look at a regular Angels roster in June, in July, it's not filled with the Anthony Rendon's and the Mike Trout's even or the Jared Walsh's or all of these stars. It's continuous injuries to this team that have made them a 500 ball club. Finally, they're healthy. Finally, they start winning. Then Anthony Rendon goes down. Taylor Ward goes down. They have a couple of pitchers who aren't performing and the bullpen has not been good. They lose 12 in a row and now he's out. Yeah. Seems criminal to me, Arm. I mean, I, we're going to get a little bit more into that. And I think you summed it up really, really well. We're going to do some mock trades, uh, which is super fun. Kind of trades we like to see is the way I want to frame it. Because we're not trying to predict the future here, uh, but we're, we're making mock trades that we think are realistic, but more so things that we would like to see that would make the season more fun. Uh, so we're going to do that. And that's going to be really fun on here. I know people love that, but to, to build off of your point with Joe Madden, man, I, I look at what is going on with the angels and, and we've said like, this is probably the best roster that the angels have had in, in a long time, maybe since trout first came up. And it, it is really frustrating to watch what this team has done in terms of spiraling over the last dozen games. Uh, but I, I really do wonder if something happened behind the scenes because you lay it out well. Joe Madden's one of the most well-liked, as, well, as far as I know, well-respected guys in the game. Yes, he's a little bit outside the box, but he has won a World Series. He has done it in a small market. He's done it in a big market. And you can talk about a great Cubs roster. You know how many good Cubs rosters there were in that century where they didn't win anything? There were some Thank bad you. ones. Don't get me wrong. There were some really bad ones, but there were some really good ones. The curse almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And Joe Madden's ability to usually be able to just kind of get the clubhouse right, that's always been what he is, a player's manager, is why he's had a job for so long. And I wonder if he is just a little bit dated. Like, that's the only justification I can think of here is, you know, maybe he can't align with the players as much anymore. 
I just thought it was surprising because I think Perry Manassi and general managers doing a great job. They've built pitching depth. You know, their organization looks good. Their rotation is the best it's looked in a while. They've got guys like Taylor Ward coming up, Brandon Marsh, all these dudes. And not all of it is, is Manassian, but a lot of it is. And I just think it's so quick to pull the trigger. This is not the same as the Phillies, right? We saw them get off to a great start. Then the Angels slowed down. I think this is a very different situation from the Phillies. And I think Girardi got scapegoated too. But I think this situation with Madden was even more shocking to both of us, right? I think you're totally spot on there. Both scapegoated. Did Girardi deserve to be fired? Like what could Girardi have done with this Phillies roster to make them better than exactly, like, (laughs) you know, hit them ground balls at midnight to 4am so they can defend. Maybe that way he could have helped them out. That was obviously sarcastic. Then with Joe Madden and the angels, what could he have done? Have you seen some of these angels lineups lately? Trapped They're not that for, great over 28. I mean, like, what is he supposed to do? What, what is he what, supposed to do there? Like, yeah. what is he supposed to do? And, and to, to angels fans credit who don't like him, Joe Madden has had some weird bullpen management type things. He's screwed with Rossiel Iglesias a little bit. Like yeah. he's been up and down. I think he's put him in some bad situations. I think he's used loop Aaron loop in some weird situations that didn't really make sense to me. Um, so He's not perfect. We're not here to say that he's a perfect manager and they made the worst mistake in the world. But Joe Madden said it himself. He interviewed with Ken Rosenthal directly after he was fired and said that he was basically just kind of floored by the entire thing and that he sees that um, the Angels and a lot of these organizations, they're so fully analytics. And he said it himself. He's like, I like analytics. Like, it's not a bad thing. I use them, but it can't be the end all be all. Kind of like what we say about these sorts of things, yeah. that analytics are an incredible tool and can help you be better and should not be shunned. But at the same time, it's not the answer to the question. The answer to the question is not in the numbers. You have to have guys like Joe Madden in your dugout. It's working right now with a guy like Buck Showalter. Like if Buck Showalter was on the Angels, would they be worse? Would they be better? I don't know. They'd probably be in the same exact situation they are now. We say this all the time about managers, dude. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You bring up the the analytics and like the, the idea of, you know, and, and I, I, I think it's an important point to think direction wise. I think about when Mike Schilt, you know, parted ways with the Cardinals and the, 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 the quote that always stuck in my head was just philosophical differences that always, that just right, like just echoed in my head. I'm like, what does that even mean? And it really can only boil down to that. Right. And I think when you have Perry Manassi and putting together this roster, it seems like to me, that you look at the way that Madden has managed the roster and it wasn't the way that Manassian had imagined the roster being managed. When he put it together, I think it was, I want Iglesias closing every game out in the ninth, or maybe he doesn't want that. Maybe he wants something else. Maybe he wanted loop in certain situations. So, you know, I I think about, and I never reference Moneyball to a real life situation, but something Mm -hmm. that I do think resonates and is very real was, you remember in Moneyball, what would you say? Get on base. Get on base. Yes, that that (laughs) is helpful. That does, that is a good start. And like the other thing too, is like, I look at Billy Bean, almost trying to go at it with, with the manager at the time. I forget who the name was of the, of the manager at the time, but saying like, play this guy, you know, and, and he wouldn't do it. And, and to the point where he ends up trading some dudes so that he ends up being forced to play the guys that he wants. So you can see that's very common where you have the GM and the manager having two different perceptions here. And, and ultimately Perry Manassian was built or brought in to, to rebuild this whole thing and, and kind of build this, this team up in a different manner. And, 
I think, you know, he's going to have a little bit more staying power than, than Joe Madden, unfortunately. And uh, that's what happens here. I'm very curious to see if Joe Madden lands somewhere else, you know, where he lands on the coaching carousel, because I think there's a lot of other job openings that could be happening. We're going to talk about the Marlins briefly before we get into, you know, this mock trade episode. And, you know, the Marlins are, are spiraling, not only, you know, on the record department, but also in just the clubhouse department, Craig Mish reported today that they had a 90 minute meeting in the clubhouse behind closed doors. Uh, and it didn't go over that well. It, it, even when you asked Don Mattingly after the ball or after the interview or after the discussion, basically they asked him, Hey, how did it go? You, do you think it was productive? And he couldn't say yes. He couldn't say that it was productive. And Sandy Alcantara said to Craig Mish afterwards too, Hey, players aren't always going to get along. Uh, and, and that's very alarming. And, and that always goes back to the manager as well, even though sometimes it's out of his control. Do the Marlins have an opening coming up soon? And Don Mattingly is another more old school guy that I know Marlins fans don't like uh, for the most part. I think there's some that want to see him stay around, but a lot want to see him go. And I'd argue that the Marlins are not in a position to win either, but maybe Mattingly's not helping it. So you look across the game, and I think every manager situation is very different. But I do always feel like we attribute way too much responsibility to managers. Dude, I think you're totally right. Like, you know how Yankee fans were hating Aaron Boone? Mm-hmm. I've heard zero. I've now heard he's the best ever, right? Now he's the best ever, right? You hear about it all the time. Dave Roberts, even with the Dodgers. Like, you know, when the Dodgers are in a little bit of a sputtering, it's a Dave Roberts problem. Nope. When they win, not Dave Roberts' problem. That's the thing. It's when your team is playing bad, you just look to the manager and you're like, he must be the problem. But when they're winning... No one's pointing to anything. They're pointing to the players. They're pointing to Aaron Judge. And then just to wrap up again, so I just wanted to make that quick point of kind of help everybody realize that you only point at your manager when they're bad, not when they're good. (laughs) Nobody's pointing at Aaron Boone right now. Now, if the Marlins had got off to this great start, nobody would be pointing at Don Mattingly, even though Don Mattingly hasn't had much success down there in Miami. But Phil Nevin is now replacing Joe Madden. Do you know how many years phil nevin has been a manager for you're holding up the zero for all the people on youtube zero you coach with the yankees you coach with the giants didn't he wave too many guys home (laughs) is this now like the guy who's gonna get you out of the 12 game win streak and it's funny there's actually a crazy stat i'm not sure exactly it but i know it's crazy positive the game after you let your manager go you always win they always win and we saw like george we saw with the phillies they won three in a row after Girardi. My thinking is we're recording this on Tuesday to release on Wednesday. They're win tonight. You think they're scoring? Yeah, the tonight. It's Garrett Whitlock versus Reed Demers. Red Sox definitely should win. Manager Mojo. I bet the Angels win. <laughs> that is like the most lock Red Sox win. And it is weird how that works. And then everyone goes, see, it, it was the manager. That's exactly, exactly. what it was. And that's what we're doing in, in our comments on TikTok about, about Joe Girardi and the managers. Like, Oh, you know, it wasn't Joe Girardi's fault. And then people are like, well, we're three and oh, since we won, yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It just happens that you won that game. That doesn't mean that Joe Girardi was the problem. That's yeah. the point of my whole rambling yelling (laughs) yeah and and i want to wrap up on the marlins situation because i I think that you know apparently the reports are again that craig mesh keeps saying that don mattingly is not on the hot seat but now you're having 90 minute meetings and they're not really productive and you know i don't even know what the rift is or who is you know the catalyst of the rift that's something that the players are keeping within closed doors craig mesh 
whether he was told or not, you know, is playing it off like he was not, he doesn't know. So it's either between Craig Mish and the Marlins or just the Marlins. Um, and, you know, I, the way I look at it there, though, is when you play poorly, you know, things come to a head a bit more, obviously. And that's where the Marlins are at. But they've also brought in some bigger personalities. Jorge Soler, obviously, El Garcia, who, you know, has some conspiracy theories swirling on him uh, and, and that have been corroborated to some degree from when his days in Detroit. Uh, you know, and then Jazz Chisholm is is a young player who is a lightning rod. And, you know, I don't know if, if his approach resonates with everybody as well. I love what he does on the field, but you got to imagine it could get old in the clubhouse a little bit. And, you know, I, I do wonder what's going on in there because they do have leaders like like Miguel Rojas and Jacob Stallings and things like that. So I wonder if Don Mattingly it, it ends up, you know, maybe being on the hot seat here if things go poorly. And the, the last thing that really got me a little bit confused was that usually those meetings galvanize her team. And Don Mattingly said, I wouldn't be surprised if they came out flat today. And they're playing right now as we speak. And uh, that is a concerning comment. You know, I, I think they're going to come out flat that's not really what you want to hear. Um, and what's the score? You're making a positive face. They are up 5-0 in the middle of the third against Yoan Adone. It is Yoan Adone. Um, it is Yoan Adone. So, like, you got a Jazz Chisholm grand slam. No feet. way. Yes, so sir. Winning is the best medicine. And we'll see what happens there. But, you know, I do wonder where a lot of these teams go. Because you, you see Mike Schilt. They bring in, you know, now uh, Ollie Marmol totally young guy, you know, totally different. Phil Nevin gets promoted here. We'll see who, you know, who they end up bringing in or if Nevin ends up being the guy, I bet you they go the young route. Uh, so I, it is interesting because you bring up Buck Showalter and the older route seems to be working there. Um, and I do just wonder if the disconnect always gets emphasized more when the team's not as good. Like if That's the Mets the were struggling, Buck Showalter would be this dinosaur that we don't like. And, and I, I do wonder how much of, just the struggles make these things come to a head. So managers in baseball might be one of the weirdest and like, it's good to talk about. We just spent the first half of the podcast doing it, but it's also one of those where I feel like we have the conversation and I still don't know where we're at on it. And that's Dave Kapler goes from Philly to San Francisco wins with San Francisco, but is now struggling. Like, is he a good manager? I know Buck Walter has been fired a couple of times. Like, let's not forget that all these things, like, all of these guys, it's all a crapshoot in my mind. Not to diminish the role of a manager, because the role of the manager is really important. My thinking is, and this has been my thinking now for years, how much with the new age of analytics are these managers actually managing? And I think it's coming to a head with a lot of the older guys where it's like, let me do my job instead of saying this guy's WRC plus against lefties that throw this and his slider. This is the guy we have to play. But then you're like, that guy hasn't gotten a hit in a week. Yeah. Why is he? Why? No, this guy has been playing way better. He should get the role. He feels more confident. The other guy, he slept bad on the plane. Like all of these different things have to come together to make the ultimate team. Absolutely. And the teams that are coming, that are bickering in the middle are not doing well. I'm with you. And, and there is that human component. And I think nobody has a better feel for the roster and for the team and, and how guys are doing than the manager. So I do like the idea of giving your manager as much information as possible. You know, this guy hits really well against lefties. This guy crushes this reliever. So if he comes in, bring him off the bench, you know, things like that. 
Absolutely. But at the end of the day, the manager knows what guys are dealing with, what guys are going through, how they're feeling that day, what's going on. And you have to kind of trust the captain to steer the ship. And I think we have teams across the board with different philosophies on that. And if the manager isn't willing to buy in on, hey, you don't really control everything, then, you know, guys like Joe Madden are are just going to be forced out uh, unless they find a team like the Mets that I think are letting Buck Showalter do his thing. That's the thing. I think the Mets are letting Buck Showalter do their thing, do his thing, because that's what Steve Cohen wanted. And it seems to be working so far. Arm, wasn't the problem with the Mets last year, the fully bought in 100 percent analytics? Yes. And the guys just couldn't play. They felt locked up the entire time. Yeah. And now they let Bo Walk, Buck Showalter make some of the moves. Look what's happening. Like, yeah. this isn't rocket science here. Yeah, it's the balance, right? And these guys are still using a lot of advanced information, uh, but you they're, should. Not, they're not going analysis paralysis here. And, and and there was some really good pieces on that. Analysis paralysis. I like yeah, that. I, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yourself into a massive hole. And, and a lot of guys will look at Jeff McNeil. Uh, so I think that's, that's a great one to talk about. And, and the Mets actually are, one of the teams that we are going to do a mock trade for. So let's get to mock trades. Do you want to go first? So excited. I'm yeah, so excited. Well, first? you just perfectly led into the Mets trade and the Mets trade is a banger. So I want you to go ahead. That was a good right. one. So I, the Mets bullpen has actually been pretty good this year. I, I think they're around, you know, they're better, like first top half of the league, closer to the top third of the league in ERA. Edwin Diaz has been phenomenal, but I don't think that there's a Mets fan on earth that would tell you we don't need more bullpen help. They've had the most, or I think second most one run losses since the beginning of 2021. Uh, and they are traumatized and I get it. Mets have blown so many leads in so many catastrophic ways that, you know, I think so they should many. get a reliever, but that's just the complimentary piece here. They need a catcher, man, because James McCann has been hurt for most of the year, but even when James McCann is healthy, he was an ADWRC plus guy last year. He's a backup catcher. I know you gave him money to be a starting catcher, but he's really like a a glorified backup catcher. I really want to see the Mets get a catcher, but for a rental, because we know that Francisco Alvarez is not far away. So I have Wilson Contreras and bullpen help to the Mets for Mark Vientos, who I love. Joel Diaz, who's a big time upside uh, right-handed pitching prospect, 18 years old in the Mets system, mid nineties. He's nasty. Mike Vassell, who's been fantastic at a UVA, really interesting arm as well. And then Dom Smith heads over to Chicago as well. Gives them, you know, somebody that's big league ready, still 26 years old, change of scenery, not a bad flyer to take uh, on a guy here with Dom Smith, Wilson Contreras, David Robertson going to the Mets. Robertson's had this career revelation at 37 seems to really refound his stuff, refound his, his health. And he looks good. And that's another guy that you trust in the postseason. I think when he's healthy, Mets could use guys like that. Contreras expires after this year. The Cubs are not going to give him the $120 million that he wants. Apparently, he wants JT Real Muto money. And the Mets only need a a stopgap for the next year, not even. Here's the last thing I'll say before I kick it to you and get your thoughts on this. Mets catchers have posted a 68 WRC plus this season. James McCann will come back and he'll help that a little bit. He was 80 last year. But you can't tell me that Wilson Contreras and his 145 WRC plus wouldn't put this team right up there with they already are up there. But tell me that doesn't put them right there with the Dodgers. And now you're, you're like, this is going to be the series of all series. Did you say 68 WRC plus? From I, said 68. <laughs> I said 68. Just disgusting New York. You need better. And Wilson Contreras gives you that. It's funny. Um, um, I don't know if you have his like um, savant page pulled up or like his baseball reference fan graphs, whatever to get his splits. 
but you should look at how he's performed offensively as a DH versus as a catcher. And that's a big move now that the National League has a DH too, so he could play some DH for them. But he has really performed like one of the best DHs in baseball when he DHs. But when he catches, he hasn't really caught fire offensively. I think that's just something to monitor because you're going to be wanting Wilson Contreras to play a lot of catcher for the Mets. But they do like they still have Thomas Nito. They still have James McCann. So they could use some of those defensive guys in order to just get Wilson's bat in the lineup. Regardless, he is definitely an upgrade for them. But as a catcher, he just hasn't performed really offensively yet this year. So it's just it's one of those things where it's not like I'm saying, oh, yeah, he's bad as a catcher and not as a DH. It's more just something to watch as like, oh. This is happening as he gets older and it kind of starts to make sense. So just something to watch. Yeah. And, and what I love about that, too, though, is he's an upgrade at DH. Oh, so, yeah, you know, in, in certain spots, you put him in there, DH. J.D. Davis, to me, I like him against lefties. That That's about it at this point. Right. And, you know, Dom Smith is not the DH that they were hoping for. Obviously, Robinson Cano isn't either. Injuries happen. Things happen. I just love adding a bat to the fold here. If he's not catching, you could DH him. And again, to be able to get make this trade, and I think it's a fair deal because you're still getting, you know, a, a guy that's close to big league ready in Vientos, top 100 prospect who started slow. Now he's red hot. You get the high upside guy with Diaz. You get a solid arm in Mike Vassell, who's been great so far this year. Former first round pedigree, but you know went to UVA and and, and kind of hit a wall and now looks great again. And then Dom Smith is a throw in as well. I would love to see Contreras to the Mets because I want to see Mets Dodgers seven games NLCS and both teams just humming at full speed here and, and really just seeing both teams at full force. And I think this is the very obvious like gap right now for the Mets is, is catcher. And we make fun of X Woba a lot because that is a little X in front of it. And Jack yeah. was saying that I don't like using any stats with X in front. I was like, okay, I understand. But it's- what it quantifies is your quality of contact plus your strikeouts plus your walks. So what Woba is, it's a better weighted batting average. So it's weighting the hits better. Cause like if you're batting average, you get the same amount of points for a home run and a single in Woba, you get more points for a home run. So that just makes sense. And then the X in the, in the beginning of X Woba is your expected quality of contact based on that. And Wilson Contreras ranks eighth in major league baseball right now in X Woba. He's right in the middle of Giancarlo Stanton, Juan Soto and Mike Trout and JD Martinez. Like he's so, in the middle there. He has been raking this year and yeah. would be a great addition for the Mets. Wow. You know, and, and that's the thing too. And I really think that you look at what, what the Cubs are doing cash in and get the prospects. He's performing as well as he, he ever has. He's getting him, his, himself a bag and a contract here. Uh, but also the funny thing about the, the ex Woba stat, like just look at who's up there with him and it's all the best hitters. So, you know, it's probably a pretty good stat. If, if all the best hitters are up there and it's a stat that measures hitters, it's probably a decent stat. If you had some random dudes in there, you'd probably be like, okay, what is this stat? Um, there's some NBA stats where I see like random ass dudes in there. And I'm like, okay, this stats were like Raptor war. I, I, yeah, I don't know Raptor what the hell war. that is. That's too long. Like yeah. X Wobicon. I don't know if I'll ever be able to. Really, yeah. Like X I, and it can be good. I understand. And people have told me that X Wobicon is actually a pretty solid stat, but, but it's, like, it's I, too funny. I, it's too long. Name. Yeah. Short it sounds name. like bacon and it's just too much. Yeah. But like, for example, the top 10 in X Woba, just to give you, you know, some more context, Jordan's number one. Jock Peterson's number two, Judge three, Harper four, Taylor Ward five, JD six, Trout seven, Wilson Contreras eight, Giancarlo Stanton nine, Juan Soto ten, like Freddie Freeman. All the best hitters right now. These are the best hitters. It's all the best hitters right now. 
So should we move on to my trade? Yeah. Because I'm in an, I'm in a different league. We're going over the American League, but we're staying in the AL East. But we're going to go from the NL East. Josh Bell to the Boston Red Sox for Blaze Jordan, a third base prospect, and Frank German, right-handed pitching prospect. Apologies if I pronounce German wrong. It might might be Frank Herman, Frank Herman of the Boston Red Sox as well. So Blaze Jordan, first, before we talk about Josh Bell, let's just talk about the prospects for a second. Because Blaze Jordan is a very talented, like corner infield prospect, most likely going to be at first base, has big time power, but the Red Sox have Tristan Casas coming up. And Tristan Casas is one of the next great first basemen. You've been on him way before everybody else. Like Tristan Casas is that dude. But Josh Bell will be a free agent after this year. So you're only basically getting him for a rental. Now, is Blaze Jordan a bit expensive for a rental? You could make that argument. But Josh Bell right now is one of the best left-handed hitters in baseball. Like, that's not a joke. He really is performing as one of the better left-handed hitters in baseball. So what you're getting is you hope Blaze Jordan can become... Josh Bell. But at the end of the day, you have a log jam right now at the position. What Josh Bell does is it gets Bobby Dalbeck out of the lineup and Red Sox fans. If I have to hear one of you more in my mentions being like Bobby Dalbeck, Bobby, he's not good. Like I, sorry, I just, I don't think he's good. And I think that they could use a lefty bat. Cause when you look down the lineup, and he's a switch hitter, but I'm saying he adds that left-handed side. And then when you face like that tough, Lefty, you can move him over to the right side. So he gives you that. Mm -hmm. And like I said, he's going to be free agent. And then I tossed in Frank Herman, who could fill in a bullpen role probably for the Nationals, maybe become a starter. He's got a he's got a 70 grade fastball in MLB pipeline. He's got a 55. So he's got stuff and he's a high profile type guy. Don't know what he'll be, but he's been performing well in AAA so far this year. A short sample. Big, big strikeout strike, guy. Striking out more than 14 per nine so far this season. Basically what I'm saying, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that if the Red Sox losing Blaze Jordan, because of what the Red Sox already have, and then getting Josh Bell and you have Tristan Costas coming up, and then at the worst, you still have Dalbeck. Like that's a guy who you can probably get rid of, but would be a big time piece that could get you Josh Bell. I So here, here I think value-wise, it is on par, right? Because if you think that Josh Bell should get you more, remember that he's a first baseman with an expiring contract. If you That's think that Blaze Jordan is too much, because I, I get both of them when I put out these articles and stuff. And by the way, we have an article with, with my full, more full trade breakdowns of trades. I'd like to see on just baseball.com. It's linked in the description. Um, but when I get both sides, I'm like, okay, that means it's a good mock trade. If you think that Blaze Jordan is too much, this is a 19 year old, as Peter said, that that is limited to either average to below average third base or first base. And they went out and got the Red Sox at Alex Benellas. And Alex Benellas has actually been better than Blaze Jordan. He's older. He's about two and a half years older, but he's been better than Blaze Jordan in high A. Jordan is in low A right now, 19 years old. Benellas is a corner bat as well. Left-handed swinger, big power. If you're saying, why go get a first baseman now? We have Tristan Casas. Tristan Casas, I I still maintain, as you said, I still think he's going to be one of the best first basemen in the game, but I think his timeline got slowed down a little bit. He has a wrist injury. I don't know how quick he's going to come back from that, how quick he's going to be 100%. Uh, that's resulted in a little bit more swing and miss, tried to play through it, and now he's on the IL. Like, Do you want to put your chips forward on rushing a Tristan Casas to answer your first base situation? Or are you okay with trading one of your corner infielders uh, that, yes, you like him, but ultimately you went out and got Benellis not too long ago 
I would be more than fine with trading Blaze Jordan. I know he's a popular name because he's been a viral sensation since he was 14. But if his name was Jordan Blaze and he was a different player, but had all of the same characteristics, I don't think people would blink at trading him for a guy that would help you right now. The one thing I'll say, though, on the Red Sox is they got to show us for two more weeks that they can keep winning. Then you make that trade. If they're that's not true. doing well, that's Josh Bell is not a guy that's going to put you over the top. He's exactly. a guy that can really help you when you're playing well. I don't think he's like, oh, we're struggling. Let's go get Josh Bell. So that's I think, the only thing. I think you're totally right. And the reason why I brought this trade to the table, because I could have traded Xander Bogarts away. But I've said from the beginning of the season, like, I think the Red Sox will be there at the end. I really do. And I think Cockroaches. this is me saying that, like, I'm buying the Red Sox. Like I'm buying this win streak. I think they are a better team. Do I think they're going to win the World Series? No. Do I think they they make the playoffs? I don't know yet. But do I think they're going to be there at the end? Absolutely. So that's why I have them buying at the deadline because they're going to need to buy if they want to be here. And Josh Bell adds that left-handed bat that they need because right now it's basically Devers and Verdugo. Those are the only real lefties in the lineup because you have Trevor Story, you have J.D. Martinez, you have Xander Bogarts, you have like a guy like Kike Hernandez. And, you know, JBJ, like, I guess he's a lefty technically, but he's not giving you anything offensively. Then you look at guys like Kevin Plowecki, you look at Christian Vasquez, guys like that, all right-handed bats. So my thinking is like the Blue Jays really need a left-handed bat, but the Red Sox do too. And he just makes sense there. A hundred percent. And especially with, with, there's not very many good teams with that kind of void at first base. And um, I think it makes a ton of sense. And you know, maybe even Dalbeck is a guy that they trade instead of blaze with another prospect. Do you want Dalbeck? But I was thinking the nationals just wouldn't want him. I wouldn't want him either. Trust me. I, but who knows, who knows um, my turn here on one, we're, we're going to stick in the AL East. Uh, and I feel like this is a trade that would low key haunt the Red Sox and the Yankees, because I think he would just, be on a scorched earth revenge tour of the AL East, the way he's swinging it this year. Andrew Benatendi to the Rays for much needed pitching. So it's Benatendi to the Rays. The Royals received Tommy Romero and John Doxakis. So you might know Romero as a guy that, you know, made it up for a cameo this year, uh, struggled in two outings and was sent back down. And now he's trying to rework his stuff in AAA so that it translates more to the big league level. But Tommy Romero was spectacular last year for the race. He's another classic raise guy, high spin fastball, great pitch ability. And John Duxakis actually just saw him in double A. It was his first double A start, struggled a little bit, but another lefty or lefty with really good command, good fastball, sneaky stuff. And Two guys that honestly, the Royals can't totally fuck up uh, because they can pitch at least. They're never going to be aces. They're back into the rotation type dudes. But I think the Royals need as many guys like that as they can get. And if you're like, that's not enough for Benatendi, he's expiring. And at the end of the day, today's game, you value power way more. Benatendi's hitting 321 last time I checked. 799 OPS, not great, but he would come in at second on the Roy- on the Rays right now. In OPS, Peter, that's how crazy it is for them offensively. If they bring in Ben Attendee, he's second on the team in OPS uh, behind only G-Man Choi. So it, this is a huge upgrade for them. It's similar to the Nelson Cruz deal. Trade two arms that, you know, you don't really have space for right now. Um, and I think Tommy Romero could be a really solid back end of the rotation arm. And I think Doc Sackis has that kind of upside as well. Uh, two guys that could be at the big league level uh, basically by next year. Uh, for the Royals. So I think the Royals need to stockpile arms. They've clearly proven that they can, that they can produce offensive talent. 
And I love this trade because I think Ben Attendee will light up the AL East. I think, I think he would go scorched earth on everybody. It was funny. I was just looking up because I was like, wow, the Rays really don't have someone over 800 OPS besides G-Man Choi. And I was like, Manny Margot's hitting 303. He's got to be over 800, right? 794. Like, you're right. I mean, because they're just not hitting for power. They got back to ball, but they're not hitting for any power. And it's not like Ben Attendee changes that, but he definitely makes them better. My thinking is, and this has nothing to do with the trade, because I think the trade makes a lot of sense for both sides. And I think it could be something that realistically gets done. My only thing is, do we believe in Ben Attendee? Like, you're saying that he's going to go scorch earth. I'm like, the Ben Attendee is almost given us like a Nicky Lopez type season right now. Like the, the really high batting average, no real power, but the thing is Nicky Lopez paid an incredible shortstop while Ben Attendee's playing a below average corner. Like he doesn't have that much speed. He doesn't have that much powers and his BABIP is crazy high right now. It was at 370 last time we checked. This doesn't seem like a guy who is really all that good. I think he's fine. And I think the trade kind of makes sense. You're not giving away anything crazy on a guy that's, with expiring content. I, like, I, I don't. And the Royals need those type of guys, just some safe back end guys who could just not get blown up every day. Yes, and that's the thing is like Brett Phillips is playing in the outfield every day right now, and and, and you know I, Kevin Kiermaier, he's a reliever. Kevin Kiermaier, yeah, he's, he's he's I think he's probably got a better WAR as a reliever right now. The defense is <laughs> the defense is you know that's the only thing that holds it back, but. It, it, I, I agree. Like he's not another guy that's probably not a game changer for you, but what he's doing to right-handed pitching right now and the way that they like to platoon, you know, I, I think you could put, you know, Harold out there against, against lefties or, you know, just use him as a bat in the order. At the end of the day, I don't love Ben attendee, but in, in 671 big league games, he's got a one Oh nine WRC plus. So, you know, you're getting a big league bat here. And if you're parting with two arms that really don't matter to you that much respectfully, um, because that that's kind of how it is with, with the Rays. I'll do that in two seconds. Um, so yeah, does it put them over the top? Probably not, but the Rays are already pretty good and they could just use some offensive consistency. And I would like to see that deal. Cause I just want to see Ben attendee back in the AL East. I think he regresses a little bit, but even if they get a 290 hitter the rest of the way with a 350 on base, I think that's good news for them because they need more guys like that. I agree. I think it would, it would be a better version of the Rays with Ben attendee. And I think the Royals would cash in nicely with those two pitching pieces. So moving on to my big blockbuster, this is the big blockbuster that I brought to the table and we're going all the way to the NL West, but we're trading with someone in the AL East. I have Cedric Mullins being traded to the San Francisco Giants in exchange for outfielder Luis Matos, who's a phenomenal prospect, Casey Schmidt, a slick fielding third base prospect, and Matt McCluskey, who's a left-handed pitcher in the Giants system, also another good pitching prospect. This is a big package for a guy like Cedric Mullins. I look at the Giants outfield. I look at Mike Yastrzemski. I look at Luis Gonzalez. I look at Jock Peterson. They could use a guy like Cedric Mullins. And Cedric Mullins is going to be rather expensive because he still has years of control left. But the Orioles would get Luis Matos. And I know I'm not going to touch him on him a ton because I know you could go deeper into him because he's one of your favorites. All I know is the dude rakes. K-1 
Casey Schmidt, you showed me video of him at third. What a good defender over there. And the bat should play as well. And then Matt McCluskey, left-handed pitcher, who is can be dirty. This is a big package going over for Cedric Mullins, but it makes the Giants clearly better. It gives them a big boost in their outfield because I don't think Luis Gonzalez is an everyday player. You know, they have Austin Slater. They have some other guys, but they don't have that. You know what I'm saying? That. Chris Bryan in the outfield, the dude and Cedric Mullins gives them that dude. And I think that a trade for Cedric Mullins puts them that much over the top of the Padres. Yeah. So I, I I agree. I think he's the perfect fit for um, San Francisco. And, And there was a couple other trades. I was looking to potentially send somebody over to San Fran. I do wonder, you know, who they're willing to part with. And and I, I obviously would assume that Marco Luciano is untouchable the way he's swinging it. People might look at this trade and say, oh, well, Matos sucks right now uh, because he's one of my favorite prospects. I love Luis Matos. He got off to a rough start as a 20 year old. I think he, he just turned 24 months ago in high A and then he got hurt. So he just made his first appearance in a month uh, and is coming back from that. So I, I know people like you, you put up the trade, then all of a sudden they go to the Fangraphs page and they're like, what the hell? Well, Matos just had a rehab game and went two for four with, with a double. And I think he's going to be just fine and whole heat up. So ignore the slow start there. He's a top 50 prospect in baseball, almost no matter who you ask. And that's a great starting point. Casey Schmidt is raking and he's a gold glove caliber third baseman. Where I'm interested is, does it take a little bit more? Because I would probably argue Casey Schmidt's the third piece. Does Do they need more of a high profile pitcher? I love Mikulski. Uh, He was disgusting at Fordham. He's been really good so far. Uh, You know, a little inconsistent, but overall has been really good. Kyle Harrison's untouchable. Do they have to throw in another arm? Maybe the asking price is big, but the general gist of the trade I I like, and and I think it's a perfect fit. I look at the Orioles and I'm like, maybe they want more pitching. Grayson Rodriguez went down. They're desperate for arms. That's my only thing. But again, it's just the gist of the trade I like. But here's my thing about Cedric Mullins is that Cedric Mullins has not performed like Cedric Mullins did last year. And Cedric Mullins also doesn't have this long, lengthy track record of of a ton of success. You know, he was a switch hitter who couldn't hit as a righty. Then they said, all right, you're going to hit fully lefty. And then he broke out. But then already this season, like I'm just pulling up his stats now. And with that said, he literally homered. <laughs> he homered today. You know, we're recording on Tuesday. But right now he's hitting 239 with an OPS below 700. He's got five home runs. He's still a good player, clearly. Yeah. But I don't know if he commands the same exact price as the 30-30 Cedric yep. Mullins, because I don't know if that's going to happen again. That might have been the best year of his career. And, and that's the question that the Orioles have to answer here, right, is do you – want to it's almost like i think mullins is at this tipping point here where if he continues to struggle his value will take a hit right now he's still kind of riding high off of last year he's still good enough right now where you know you're like oh when's he gonna get going but at least he's he's showing signs of life he just homered do do you want to cash in now um and and you know you're starting to realize if you're the orioles yes you have some good pieces but you know you need pitching you need to shuffle things around maybe this makes sense uh I ultimately think the Orioles hold on to Cedric Mullins uh, and they, I think they might trade in Austin Hayes instead. Uh, but I would love to see Mullins on a better team. So uh, I'm, I'm here for it. I just had to listen to Marlins fans, try to mock trades for Cedric Mullins. And apparently, uh, you know, even talking again, bringing up Craig Mish, the, the asking price from the Orioles was crazy. Crazy. I wonder if it's changed at all. Um, probably not. 
And I wonder what, you know, what their asking price is. And this is trades we'd like to see. Yeah, we'd like exactly. to see. No, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you. I, I would love to see it. So I'm, yeah. I'm here on that. I, I could have undersold the Cedric Mullins. I, I was just looking at Cedric Mullins and I was thinking to myself, do I really want to give up another big piece along with these three? It's just a lot. It's a I lot. See. Maybe if you throw in like a filler, you know, it's or- weird. You know, it's weird about this. I don't know if I want to give up more than that for Cedric Mullins. And I don't know if I want to trade Cedric Mullins for that. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's the problem. The reason why I wanted to trade Cedric Mullins is, you know, Grayson Rodriguez might be out for the entire year, which is actually ripping my heart into shreds shreds. Adley Rushman has a 26 WRC plus currently. I just don't think this is the Orioles year. And now I think is when you cash in on Cedric Mullins before it could get too late. And he's already 27. Like, that's the thing. By the end of the season, he'll be 28. I don't think this team will be. He's older than Dom Smith. Yeah, he's legit older than Dom Smith. I I think that you have to look at the timeline here. And and again, Adley Rutschman's going to be phenomenal. Grayson Rodriguez is going to be phenomenal. But again, we got to look at the timeline here. I think you have to consider that Mullins is going to be closer to 30 when you're finally being competitive. His control is going to be running out and you're going to have to pay him at that point. Are you going to want to do that? And and maybe the answer is no. Uh, And I could see the Giants maybe going to make a cost effective move here. Their system is so good that they could do that and still not really feel it. Throw in a Nick Swinney, throw in another arm or two and, you know, you can make the trade work. It's it's more about just the gist of it. Uh, and, And I'm here for that. So a guy that I think will get traded and that we know will get traded. Uh, and, and again, this is one that I think people will look at the return on paper and be like, that's too light, but I'm going to really explain why this return is great. And what's funny is you and I had almost the identical trade. I know. Uh, Frankie Montes going to the Cardinals for Mason Wynn, Joshua Baez and Alec Burleson. So let me start with the Cardinals. We've been trying to get a, pitcher to the Cardinals for a while since Katie Wu came on the podcast, right? You know, Cardinals writer for the athletic last year told us that they will not trade one of their three guys. I still don't think they trade one of their three guys. Those three being Jordan Walker, Matthew Libertor and Nolan Gorman, Uh, you know, Gorman's up Walker looks like a wonderkin and you know, Libby's already up now too. So I don't think those guys are getting traded. You know what the good news is for the Cardinals. They have other prospects making leaps. Mason Wynn, I can tell you now, will be on our top 100 list in the update. And I think he will be on everybody's top 100 list. He has been phenomenal. He's one of the youngest players now at the AA level. He is hitting for, you know, high average. He's stealing a ton of bases. He's sneaking in extra base hits. He is a good defender. He was a pitcher in high school, so he's got a mega arm. Josh Baez got first round money last year. So he has a ton of upside, 70 raw power. And then if you don't know who Alec Burleson is, Take a look at this dude's numbers. This guy is raked at every single stop. And I talked to him on the podcast a little while back on the Prospect Podcast. He is a cool-ass dude, but he has just done nothing but hit since he got to professional baseball. And now he is at just his peak in AAA. It's nuts what he's doing. He's hitting 325, 365, 575 in 46 AAA games with 12 homers and a 13% K rate. How old is he? He's 23. Dude. And that, that guy's not even considered a top five prospect for them. I think he's one of the most underrated prospects in baseball. So you get the top 100 guy in Mason Wynn. You get the, the lottery ticket, potential superstar, potential nothing guy in Josh Baez, respectfully. And then Alec Burleson's the high floor left-handed outfield bat that's probably big league ready right now. I think that's the perfect package for Frankie Montes. And good God, Cardinals, please bring a pitcher in. I know the staff has been sneaky good. This year, but they're not as good in the fifth department. You know, I think there's some signs of regression. I know you have Jack Flaherty coming, but can you count on him? 
this is like one last hurrah with some of their, you know, old guys, Albert Pujols, Yadi Molina, Adam Wayne, right? You're getting MVP caliber performance right now from Paul Goldschmidt. Nolan Arenado's playing well. Those guys aren't getting younger. Please push the chips forward here and get a controllable arm in Frankie Montes. Does this not make them World Series contenders or at least close to it, Peter? I think that's a great way to frame it because I think it would. And and the reason why is not just adding a starter makes them a possible World Series contender because now they're right there with the Brewers. You know, they've been winning a bunch in a row. They're right there with the Brewers. It's because Frankie Montas is a stud. And he's always been, you know, in fantasy baseball circles especially, you know, kind of that overrated guy, you know, because he's got great stuff, but it's like, is he ever going to turn in a great season? Well, what he's done is turned in back to back to back seasons now. And now he looks like one of the better pitchers in the American league. That fastball is high spin and he hums it in. The breaking ball is fantastic. And he's built like a brick shit house too. a guy who could possibly go 200 innings for the Cardinals, yep. which what is what they desperately need. Steven Matz is still on the shelf. Dakota Hudson is he's been great, but like he's, he's been great, but he's like, he's like the dude you look at his savant page. And the only thing red is barrel rate because he just hasn't allowed like a lot of 95 mile an hour hit balls between that launch angle of 18 to 35, but everything else is blue, blue, blue. I'm not saying he's, you know, because of the numbers he's done, but I just don't think he's going to have an ERA under three when, yes. when it's all said and done. Jack Flaherty, again, Wainwright, of course is doing well. Like it's amazing, <laughs> but that's, but the, and, and then miles Michaelis has started to fall off a little bit. You put Frankie Montas in there every fifth day, you Cardinals fans are going to be saying to yourself, man, I love this dude because it's these A's guys that nobody sees. Then they come over to your team and you're like, wow, wow. just happened with the Mets and Mark Canna. Mark Canna is like their best player on the Mets right now. <laughs> like it's all these A's guys. If Sean Murphy gets shipped off, he's going to be uh, become someone's favorite player. Montes, he goes over to St. Louis. He's shoving every day, six innings old school type pitcher just coming at you, not afraid of anything. They will fall in love with him and they'll forget all about these prospects, even though the prospects are very good and A's fans should be very excited for some of these guys. Exactly. You get a, a, you know, potential star uh, in Mason Wynn, who's already now producing. And then, you know, Alec Burleson slides right into the outfield and, and helps your big league team almost immediately. So I think that's, that's, probably my favorite trade in this article. Uh, I know we had the same one. It was crazy. I also had, I also had Josh Baez and Mason Wynn, but I had um, Malcolm Nunez. No, I had Edwin Nunez. Oh, Edwin Edwin Nunez. So just another pitch, just another pitcher I threw in there, but I like, I like yours better because I I think I just wanted to balance it out with like a high four guy. And I think Burleson is a better player and it would probably take Burleson, not just kind of a filler. If you're not getting, if you're not getting one of the three, because you know, the first question is going to be, one of the three and they're going to say no, um, as, as we know. So, uh, I, that one, I was but, really excited about but Arm, Mason Wynn or Nolan Gorman. I, so I, I hate know. that you put me on the spot. I uh, no, but you don't have to answer. We can move no, on, no, move no, on no, but I just no, want that fair. thought exercise I to come into people's minds. Le- it crossed my mind when I was writing the article and I was like, not here. Um, don't do it here. I know Gorman's ranking. This is not me digging my heels in. I still think Gorman's going to be a good big leaguer. Mason Wynn, I think, is a freak show. I would rather have Mason Wynn, but I know that that's not how the Cardinals feel. And I know that's not, not how most people feel. 
Um, but you know what? I respect the shit out of your head. And if you believe it, you know <laughs> what? You. It's definitely something it to look at. He wins stats. 16 for 16 on stolen bases, hitting 321. He's sneaking in triples. Now he's starting to hit for more home runs. Uh, he throws 98 on the mound. So, you know, you know that arm's translating it short. I am just a huge Mason Wynn guy. I saw him on the backfields uh, before the season, and I was like, this guy looks different. Um, and he looks different. And Cardinals fans, don't take that as a slight at all. That should just go to show what we think about Mason Wynn. That is not a detriment to Gorman. No. That is a that is a plus for Mason Wynn of how good he could be. Yes. And and Gorman's helping them right now still, you know, in the right spots. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here for, for that. So what's your next one? My last trade. I got one more. Change of scenery. Feels like this one makes a ton of sense. Tyler Malley of the Cincinnati Reds heading to Los Angeles, not the Dodgers, the Los Angeles Angels, in exchange for Joe Adele. Now, Joe Adele has all the talent in the world. And I feel like you put him in great American ballpark. He could become one of the best players on the Reds. Tyler Malley, you take him out of Great American Ballpark, which is basically a space station, basically a NASA underground, basically the moon, yes. because at Park Factor, it ranks above Coors Field in the yeah. past three years in terms of offense. And Tyler Malley is the splits king. He has always been worse at Great American Ballpark. Get him out of there. Let him go. Tyler Malley to the Angels gives them a big boost in their starting rotation. Not necessarily that they absolutely need it, but I think Jose Suarez was a guy that they penciled in at the beginning of the year. I don't know if he's going to be that consistent guy in the rotation. You look at Syndergaard, who's starting to fall off a little bit, even though he had a great start against the Red Sox, but he's not striking out guys to the rate that we're used to. Shohatani's amazing, but anything could happen with Shohatani when he's hitting and pitching. You have Reed Detmers, who has had his ups and downs and will be a good pitcher one day, but maybe he's not elite this year and then you continue to go through the rest of the rotation like that's the guy i feels like just needs a change of scenery just get him out of great american ballpark he'd be a good pitcher for the angels and i think joe adele you put him in great american he'll be a good outfielder for the for the reds win-win on both sides in my opinion i i like it you know because the only issue with joe adele weirdly defensively is has been his arm has not been as good and hmm. now, which is weird because he had a great arm in high school but you know, he doesn't have to to range as far. The gaps aren't as big as we know in great American ballpark. So I, I think he, it would be a perfect place for him because I do think a level of the struggles for Joe Adele are, are the pressure to, you know, follow up Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, and help them win now as you're trying to develop as a young prospect who was brought up at 22. And as he continues to, to have these hot and cold streaks at the big league level, it, we feel like we've seen him for a while, but but he's really still extremely young. So I think it is still a, he's still a supremely valuable player uh, that the Reds should be thrilled to get as they try to continue to figure out how they're going to help their outfield. We know the Reds aren't interested in a total reset. Joe Adele could start from day one. It's another reason for fans to come in and watch. And I think Reds fans would be thrilled with that deal. I do wonder how angels fans would feel about it. I think some would like it. And I think some would be like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to give up on Adele yet, but I'm all in on Brandon Marsh. I believe in what you're Taylor giving Miller's up doing. on Adele though. Like you're no, getting Tyler Malley, who, Tyler was a, Malley. who was a good pitcher last with year. Control. You're not giving up on him with, with control. control, with control. Yeah. I, I guess it's more of the, you know, he, they thought he was going to be a superstar. You know, and I think that ship is, is kind of sailed. Uh, he could be a really good player, uh, but I don't know if he's ever going to be a superstar. And, and, and that's where we're at here with Tyler Malley in his career, five, one, six ERA at home, three, eight, four ERA on the road. 
if you're getting a three eight four ERA guy that that chews up innings for you, the Angels need that right now. And and, and I, I am nervous about Noah Syndergaard's consistency. Uh, you know, he's shown flashes. He's also hit, hit a wall in certain outings. He's a he's a mid rotation starter now. Like he's mm-hmm. not three. the front line guy he used to he used to be or showed flashes of. I think they need more guys like Tyler Maui and and Maui's twenty seven controllable cheap and we know they're expensive. They need to find cheap options like this. I'm here for it. Uh, I like that one for one swap. It's rare, and that's why I love it too. A rare one for one big league swap. It's trades we like to see. I would like to see it. <laughs> also, Marlins up ten zero. No way. Ted zero. Nick Fortes homer. Jorge Soler homer. Nick Fortes doesn't hit triple A, <laughs> and then he rakes it at the major league level. I've never seen anything like it. I, it's it's absolutely absurd. Uh, he has a 219 WRC plus in four games this year before that home run. And he had a 172 WRC plus in 14 games last year. So I think he's a 200 career WRC plus guy now after that home run in, in now 19 games. Uh, Not so too bad. He might take the Marlins and put him on his back. Uh, a guy <laughs> that could literally put my last trade, put the Phillies defense on his back. And this was probably the hardest one to do because it would really depend on what the value is of Alec Bowman. I don't understand what the value of Alec Bowman is. Frankly, so um, <laughs> Phillies receive Ramon Laureano and Lou Trevino athletics receive so many athletics trades, Alec Bohm, Johan Rojas, Ethan Wilson, and Logan Ohapi. It's a big package because again, I'm not totally sure where Alec Bohm slots in here in terms of value. He still is young. He's similar to Joe Adele in the respect that he came up very early, has shown flashes of success, had more success at the big league level, I think, than we saw from, from, you know, Joe Adele, but it's been rough for him at times. And especially comes with some defensive liability. Uh, The Phillies are the worst defensive team in baseball. It's not close. We've talked about it. It's a joke with what they're doing. It's a total joke. And Ramon Laureano is a gold glove center fielder uh, and, and would legitimately overhaul their defense in a lot of ways. And he would cover so much ground and he would help them so much, but not only would he help them in center, Getting Alec Bohm out of third would help them too, because now Bryson Stott goes there. And I talked about it on, on, on the other episode with Jack. I love what I'm seeing from Stott. I think he's figured it out. He looks much more comfortable, not just the walk-off home run. He had multiple multi-hit games before that. He's way better defensively. He's a better runner and he's a left-handed bat that kind of balances things out. So I think you actually could upgrade there for what you need, especially defensively you do. Uh, that makes the Phillies better. That satisfies a big issue. Their bullpen is always a concern. Lou Trevino, numbers are ugly. Underlying numbers look good. He's good. It's ridiculous. He'll be good. Yes. Is this package enough, though? Alec Bohm instantly slots into third base. I do really worry about the power, especially now going to Oakland, but more gaps for him to split. Johan Rojas has been a bit iffy this year, but is a 70 runner with elite defensive potential. And I think sneaky power, 26 stolen bases. He's interesting. Ethan Wilson, recent second round pick, really good power speed combo. Hasn't quite put it all together. I'd liken him to Cameron Meisner and he had enough value for the Marlins to go get Joey Wendell. And then Logan O'Hoppy is raked. You might say, why do they need another catcher? Well, if you're rebuilding, I think you stockpile assets. Logan O'Hoppy is hitting 311 in double A. Looks good defensively. 11 home runs, 13% K rate. And what I like about this trade here is it allows you to feel a little bit more comfortable about trading Sean Murphy. Cause now you say, let's go trade Sean Murphy for a King's freaking ransom. And we know we'll be okay. At catcher between Ohapi Langliers or both. And that's why I don't mind this trade. Loriano still is trying to prove that he can hit without steroids. He has looked good as of late, 
but I don't know if he's this incredibly valuable guy. He has control. And that's why I think this is a fair trade. So funny arm. I keep going back and forth in my head. I'm like, Oh, well this, like, what if this happens? What if this happens? And I'm like, it's just a fair trade then. Because if I'm like, if I'm thinking like back and forth, I'm just like, well, what if this happens? What if this happens with this player? Well, it just seems even in my, cause I'm, I'm, I'm more thinking, you know, with Ramon Laureano, you know, what type of bat are we really getting? Like you said, after the steroid stuff, but the Phillies don't need his bat because he can change the way they play outfield. And which is huge, especially in citizens bank park as well. Ramon Laureano drastically changes the defense, especially up the middle. Super important in the outfield. Lou Trevino. I don't really care about his numbers right now. I know he's a good reliever. He would instantly slot in and be the best reliever in the Phillies pen with Alec Bohm. Yeah. Now they're down to shortstop, but they have Bryson Stott. They have these guys. And then with the other prospects, I just think it's a fair trade. I think overall, like I don't have any problems with it. I think it makes sense for both teams. And I think it makes both teams better. I think Oakland right now, they don't even need him, right? Like they went and got Pache. You know how we feel about him, but Pache is the one playing center. They're wanted, they want to see him develop. Loriano's only played five games in center this year. He's playing almost all of his games in right. And, you know, what are you doing with Loriano in right? That's not his profile. His profile is, you know, give you a 115 WRC plus, hopefully, and play elite defense in center. If he gives that to the Phillies, which I think he will, he's got a 112 WRC plus right now. Um, and I know that adjusts for park and things like that, but I just think he's naturally going to hit better at Citizens Bank and also in a good lineup where I think he's going to get rejuvenized a little bit, just being around Bryce Harper, you know, Cassianos, Schwarber. It's just a better lineup to be in. Add speed. They need speed. I like it a lot. And I think Bohm could benefit from a change of scenery. Another guy that can now develop in a less pressurized situation where instead of playing third and worrying about hating it here and getting booed and all of those things, you can just develop, work on your craft. And if you go through some rough patches, it doesn't matter. The A's want to lose anyways. And you don't have the pressure as much of win now with the Phillies, with with a future Hall of Famer and maybe multiple on your team that you're trying to help win. And if you're a Phillies fan that loves his bat, I get it. Like he does have a good bat in Alec Bohm. But the thing is, you have to look at your team and say, we just need defenders more than anything. We can find another good bat. Alec Bohm just on our team might not make the most sense because he is not a good defender at third. No. And is he going to move over to first? I, maybe. I don't, he's got to play third, though. But wait, let, just, him, let him develop they, there. They need a great defensive third baseman. Like they need to counteract this somehow. Yeah. And, and do that. I think, and this be, trade does it. Yeah. You upgrade at third, you upgrade at center field defensively. And that takes the Phillies from the basement to maybe, you know, passable. And I think that's think about what the Yankees did. You know, they upgraded the defense at third base. They upgraded defense at shortstop. And now they're this great team. And I was harping on it. Did the Yankees with Gary Sanchez, you know, now they replace him with Jose Trevino defense matters. Defense matters. It's yeah. not as important quite as offensively or you're starting pitching, or maybe even your bullpen, but it definitely, well, definitely and they were matters. structured similarly to this Phillies team, which was just as many big boppers as you could put in a lineup and figure it out defensively. And yeah, it doesn't, doesn't work. work. And now the Isaiah Isaiah Kinderfalefas of the world, who who you know is not a great hitter, is helping balance this team out a ton. Um, and and I think that's something that you'll get here. But I think Loriano is also still a pretty pretty good hitter. Uh, so what else do we have here? Any final thoughts on trades? Any other moves? Anything we want to discuss? We didn't talk about Luis Castillo getting moved. Yeah, I and that was the last like player that I just kind of want to 
gauge what his package would look like because you could send him to any team that needs a starting pitcher because he would instantly become either the ace or the a really good two or if you send him to one of the best teams in baseball maybe the best three in baseball so I didn't mock him to anybody and I know you didn't either because I just kind of wanted to talk about what a package for Luis Castillo might look like so I want to wait. I wanted to wait until he builds up his value a little bit. Yeah, I think me too. He's starting to do that. Six starts, three five five ERA, three three five FIP. So he's been really good. He looks healthy. He looks he looks strong. I think it's going to take a lot. You know, a he lot. still comes with control. Um, Nasty. He's, 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 and his velo's guy. up. His velo's up. He looks good. They took their time bringing him back. He's under control for another year after this one, which is going to make him extremely valuable. I was starting to think about trades and I was like, I thought about mocking him to the twins and I'm like to the twins and reds to make another trade again. Maybe the twins would have to part with some guys. And right now I don't know if the twins are in a position to do that because their whole lineup's banged up and you can't really trade from your lineup depth until you understand who's healthy and who's not. I look at the blue Jays. Could the blue Jays do it? He would be their number three. That's insane. Um, you know, and, and that's a team that I think could do it. You aren't trading Gabriel Moreno, but maybe Jordan Groshans and a few other pieces could get it done. I think it's going to take a top 100 guy a borderline top 100 guy, and then a top 15 guy potentially to get Luis Castillo. I think it's going to look very similar to the deal we saw for, uh, uh, shoot, what did the Blue Jays just do? Uh, the deal that we saw with the Twins. Um, Talking about, uh, Jose Barrios. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it'll be very similar to the Barrios deal with Austin Martin has stunk this year. I've always been lower on him, but he's he at the time was perceived as a top 50 prospect. And Simeon, Simeon Woods Richardson was like a fringe top 100 guy. He's probably I think better it would than be something like that or more, because uh, I would argue that Castillo has, has been more impressive in his career overall agreed. than what we've seen from Barrios overall. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. I think it would cost more than the Brio steal. And it's interesting to see who we might go to. I agree. I think the Blue Jays are an option there. I still think the Angels, if they decided to make a really big package, could do it. Um, it'd be interesting to see if the Braves did it. Um, because the Braves have a lot of young starting pitchers, but they need to win now. It'd be interesting to see if they, they could do it. Dudes. There's just so many teams that could do it. So that's why I was like, you know what? We're going to mock Luis Castillo a bit later when he builds it up. Cause we're of course going to do this again as we get closer to the deadline. Yeah. I don't see the Cardinals doing a, that in division deal there. The twins. No, could do and they need when... to give up Gorman Libertor or Libby and they're not going to do Absolutely. it. Or I said Libertor and Libby. I mean, Walker <laughs> and the twins, like they, they are not in a position yet, but let's say, you know, some guys get healthy. Kirilov is healthy. Maybe they end up trying to make that trade there. They could do it too. And, and that's a team that, I would like to see him go there. I want to see the twins push all the chips forward too. Uh, so that would a, be a fun one as well. This was a fun ass episode. I love talking. About I know. Trades. And guess what? We're just teasing it because we got six weeks until we have the real trade deadline where things are going to start heating up. And it's funny because editorially you'll start to see on Google, like more and more articles. I just, now we just put one out on just baseball. It's getting into trade season. Um, I can't wait till we start talking about all the rumors and things like that. And I thought this was a good teaser to, Hey, it's already June 7th. So not only do you need teams like the Red Sox to start winning to, to decide if they're buyers or not, but we're going to start to see teams figure out who are they selling? And there's some guys we know for sure are going to get traded. There's some guys that might be surprises. And I implore you to go check out the article that's linked in the description because I have a few more surprise trades that we didn't mention on the episode uh, that I would love for you to go read and yell at me about because you don't think mm. the return is fair for your favorite team uh, because that's what we sign up for every time we do mock trades, which is why I love it. So is Anuhar going for one soda? 
Is that, <laughs> that was, is, you is know, I went on the show. I went on the Chase Thomas podcast and he asked me, what, who's a suitor for Aunt, my, I mean, It was a great interview. He, he was awesome. Uh, and it just came out today, actually, or yesterday as people are listening to this. But he goes, who's a suitor for Miguel and Duhar? I was like, uh, uh, Brewers, anyone I guess? with a brain? Brewers? Yeah, anyone with a brain. <laughs> anyone that wants a guy that hit 27 home runs in 20. But he does deserve a new spot. He does. No, he does. And he We're deserves a around. shot. He deserves yeah. a shot. Absolutely. I just don't care. I will always miss the Andy Horn, Clint Frazier for any player in baseball. That is always going to be the funniest thing ever. That's one of my favorite Yankee fan like memes because they really did think that that would get them something for a while. And there was a point in time where maybe it did, but and they were not ready to let, to admit that that ship had sailed. Clint Frazier won a gold glove. That's technically something. (laughs) Jack loves his awards. That combined with the uh, Palmero, was it the Rafael Palmero gold glove that those two will forever just make me hate the Gold Glove Award. Cliff Frazier was one of the worst defenders in baseball, in my opinion, that year. It was terrible. Like, But regardless, that's the end of the Just Baseball Show. Go check out some of the links in our episode description. Give us a follow on Twitter at JustBBMedia, on TikTok at JustBaseballFans, and on Instagram at JustBaseballShow. Is there anything else, Aaron, before we go? No, just check out tons of good content on JustBaseball.com. I Definitely check out some of the way too early NL and AL MVP candidates. I did some nerdy swing adjustment adjustment stuff for Ezekiel Duran. And of course, Peter's picks every morning out there as well. That'll do it for this episode. Peter, you can uh, kick it off or actually close it out. With that, thank you, everybody.